From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello and welcome back to the Anxiety Project Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Robinson, here with you today. And this episode is on five things anxiety sufferers don't want to hear. This episode is number 71. I'm excited to be here and to discuss anxiety solutions with you. And if you know someone else who is suffering from anxiety, please share this podcast. It's on iTunes. It's on YouTube. It's on Google Podcasts. Share this with people you know who are suffering as well. So when I was suffering from health anxiety, extreme, extreme health anxiety, I was very sensitized to the world, to what other people said. I looked upon my close family, friends, for reassurance. And when they said something that didn't align with my beliefs, it would sensitize me even more. It would send my anxiety systems in to another level. And I felt my anxiety systems flood my body with sensations and it would snowball my anxiety. So, and these, these phrases that I'm about to talk about and, and deconstruct is important to recognize whether you're saying it to another anxiety sufferer or you're an anxiety sufferer and you can recognize that these phrases other people are telling you, they, they only come from a place of confusion because they don't know what you're going through. Anxiety is a confusing journey and a lot of people can't place their feet in your shoes because going through anxiety is one of the greatest battles you will ever have to face and it'll be the most rewarding outcome once you overcome it. Your life will completely change. You will become tougher, more braver, healthier than you've ever been in your life going through this anxiety recovery journey. So let's get into number five. The fifth phrase saying that anxiety sufferers don't want to hear is others talking about health problems. It's not a specific phrase, but it's generally other people talking about health issues. And so when I was suffering from anxiety, I was completely sensitized. And when I heard, it could be somebody from across the room, somebody around me, whoever, when they were talking about health issues, whether they were having it or a friend or a relative, whoever, I would perk up. I would become interested because that information fit 
with my anxious identity. And I'm going to explain and dive into that a little bit more here. So let's talk about the thalamus. The th- one of the thalamus's jobs is to be the gatekeeper, the filter in your mind. As you listen to this podcast, there are many other sounds around you, people, possibly objects, smells, your stomach may be gurgling, you may be sweating, whatever it is. But if you manage to stay tuned into the podcast, your thalamus is helping you to ignore any sensory information that is irrelevant and it allows you to pay attention to information that is relevant to you. Information that fits with your current model of the world. So as a health anxiety sufferer in the past, whenever somebody would talk about cancer, it would fit with my beliefs, my model of the world of me being unhealthy, ill. So when I would hear or see those commercials on TV or see the billboards of health issues, I would perk up because... I believed myself to be unhealthy. I I thought I had a potential illness, a disease. So I would become interested. Maybe that person was holding the solution to my problem. So it it would fit with my identity. So I I also used to be more concerned over my state of health. When I was in public areas as well, like at coffee shops, at the mall, you hear a lot of conversations that perks you up if it's related to your model of the world, being unhealthy, being ill. So those who are in a chronic state of anxiety, their floodgates that guard has left the building. Their floodgates are wide open. That's why everything is so overwhelming and sensitive to a anxiety sufferer. Number four is the saying, you don't look too good. Anxiety sufferers don't want to hear that. They don't want you to tell them that they don't look good. Because you might have, you might have had a disrupted sleep because of your anxiety systems being constantly active. You're not eating properly. You're not exercising. All of these things. So other people look at you. And you look worried. You know the anxiety sufferer looks worried, concerned. So the person tells them, hey, "You don't look too good. You look worried. You look, you know, you don't. You look tired." Or whatever it is. And when someone says this to a health anxiety sufferer, it only cements their belief of being unhealthy or ill. So this cements their identity. They, they, they ingrain this belief even more. So when it comes to me and my past suffering from health anxiety, I would react to this statement in two ways. First, my anxiety systems would immediately flood my body with sensations. 
Two, I would then talk about my symptoms to the other person and how I was feeling. So when they would say to me, Brad, you know, you don't look too good. I would be like, yeah, you're right. You know, because of this and this and this, uh, I don't, because of this illness and I'm worried about this and I don't feel great. I'm having trouble breathing and my heart's uh, palpitating. And, you know, last night's sleep was awful. I I would just go on and on and on. The more you speak about the illness and symptoms and how they are making your life a living hell, the more you ingrain your beliefs about it and your anxious identity in general. And also I was looking for that reassurance. And when I didn't get that reassurance and I got a response like, well, you don't look too good. This would only trigger my fear over being ill. Number three, and this is a this is a good one. This is a really good one. And this is a scary one. People can't change. Also, the phrase, you can't teach a dog new tricks, kind of goes hand in hand with that, uh, with that saying. The Cambridge Dictionary meaning of can't teach a dog new tricks is very difficult to teach someone new skills or to change someone's habits or character. Now, this is a bad belief to ingrain in young children um, usually when they're, when, when you're young, you would get a family member or a relative or somebody you looked up to and they said, well, you, people just can't change. And that belief sticks with you even when you're an adult, because now that you're an adult and you're suffering from anxiety and you hear, you know, people can't change. It only cements in your anxious identity that I'm just going to be like this forever and I'm not going to change. But here's the thing with that one. People can change because our brains are neuroplastic. This means that we can stimulate new neuronal pathways as well as weaken other pathways. So when I was going through my anxiety recovery, I had a lot of habits that I needed to replace. Reassurance seeking, hanging out with negative friends, watching too much TV, being on my phone constantly, uh, Googling symptoms, Um, touching parts of my body, staying at home a lot. There was a lot of habits. So I needed to replace each one of these habits with something new. And when I started to veer off my regular path, when I started to begin engaging in habits that 
I was not accustomed to, that I wasn't used to, I would feel that resistance because you you get that resistance when you begin to engage in new habits. But that's when new neuronal pathways begin to stimulate. These pathways start to stimulate and the more you engage in that habit, especially over a month time, because it takes a month to ingrain a new habit, the old habit that you you replaced the 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 new habit that you replaced the old habit with strengthens and then the old habit weakens and eventually you can unlearn that habit so this saying oh, people can't change is extremely false because when people get caught in a routine it can be hard to break that routine. That's why you can see people uh, be the exact same person their whole lives. They just don't change. They have the same beliefs they had when they were 16. They just don't change. That's because change requires you to step into the unknown, the uncertainty. And that's where you stimulate the new neuronal pathways and the old ones start to weaken. You, your, your narrow view of the world opens up when you step into this unknown. So you don't want to stay here your whole life. You don't want to be suffering from anxiety your whole life, do you? It can be being in the state of anxiety gets familiar, gets too familiar with people. They get so familiar with this state that they just stick here because that's all they know. That's all their unconscious knows. But it's important to step out into the chaos, into that unknown, and to begin stimulating new pathways. So if you really want to break away from your self-defeating habits, you must discover positive replacement habits and then commit to them. So how do you commit to them? It's difficult because you're going to hit that wall. You're going to hit that resistance. So a great way to get past that resistance is by attaching a lot of pain to staying where you are, to staying in that anxious state and that gives you the drive to move out towards that ideal you. So it takes courage. It takes discipline. And it takes willpower to move in this direction and face that unknown. Also, looking up to other people who changed. And this is a great way to loosen this belief that people can't change. It's a great way to dissolve it and to break it. Look up to people who suffer just like you and who have gotten better and you'll find the answers if they decide to share them, right? They will talk about what they did, what they what they did to change. 
They had to kill a little bit of them to move forward, to get out of that state. You have to kill parts of you constantly so that from the ashes, the new you emerges, the more knowledgeable you. So start doing the opposite and you will find that the answers start to emerge. You will become more knowledgeable, braver, and wiser, right? You'll become, the, your confidence will increase. And lots of people would rather avoid the pain of change rather than face it. Number two, anxiety sufferers don't want to hear, I don't know what's wrong with you. When the people you rely on and look up to, especially when you're suffering from health anxiety, tell you that they don't know what is going on with you, only snowballs your anxiety. If they don't know, this illness must only be unique to me. Now that's interesting. Think about that. If the doctor you go see tells you, well, everything checks out. I don't see anything wrong with you. Then you say, well, I still feel the sensations. I still feel the same. I still have the same heart palpitations. I still have the shallow depth of breathing. I still feel dizzy occasionally. This, whatever I have is unique only to me because no one else seems to know what is wrong. And that's interesting. That's when a health anxiety sufferer goes to multiple doctors, goes to the hospital all the time. They believe that this racing heart, oh, this is the heart attack, this is the one. But you get your heart checked out, they say it's fine, but the next time it happens, well, what happens? You end up going back to the emergency room because you believe that whatever you have, this time it's the one. This is I only have what I have, no one else has it. So they stay inside their anxiety bubble. While, meanwhile, the answers are out there, right? The answers to why you're feeling the way you're feeling, they are out there. It was a relief to me to find role models on the internet who went through the same experiences I did and have gotten better. This was huge. This was eye-opening. I found that what I had wasn't a unique illness, but common. It was anxiety. That's what I had. And this opened my eyes when I found out that it's very common. It's not unique to me. It's actually common in our society. These people went through the same thing. I can relate with them and they, got, they have gotten better. So I'm just going to look up to them and learn from them. And this is a huge breakthrough. Very, very big. Now, let's go 
into number one. The number one phrase anxiety sufferers don't want to hear is just relax, everything is fine. Or you'll be fine. Anxiety sufferers don't want to hear this. And the reason is, is because this can make them feel alone. It made me feel alone. Because it felt like to me that they didn't understand what I was going through. They just couldn't relate. That there was so much distance between me and the other person, the one I'm trying to get that reassurance from, and now the distance is just getting further and further apart. And I'm feeling more and more alone. They just don't understand. And when they say this, you know, just relax, everything is fine. I would, I would say to myself, you know, I can't relax. So there must be something seriously wrong with me. If they're saying to you, just relax, you view it as, you know, it's common to, for someone to just relax, but I can't just relax. So there's something wrong with me. I just can't seem to get a grip over myself and my racing thoughts and, and my symptoms and my mind and my body. I just can't get a grip. I feel like a puppet. And when someone says, just relax, everything is fine, you, the anxiety sufferer, feel like you're making things worse for that person because they're they're getting frustrated depending on how they say it, right? So they'll be, they'll be like, "Oh, just Brad, just relax." I'd, I would I would feel, "Oh my god, you know, I'm I'm just pushing this person's buttons. I'm getting on their nerves." You know, then that distance between me and that person starts to increase even more and I start to feel more and more alone. Just relax, okay? Well, you know, I feel bad for talking about my issues with them. I feel bad for always hanging around them and, and following them around for that reassurance. And so that adds weight to an anxiety sufferer. And it adds more chaos to the situation. And an anxiety sufferer wants harder evidence to why they are feeling the way that they are. Not to be told to relax, but they're looking for evidence to why they have these symptoms, why they feel dizzy, why their heart's racing, why they're sweating uncontrollably, why they have shallow depth of field, why they can't seem to get a grip over themselves, their body, their movements, their thoughts. And so anxiety sufferers are looking for the answers. They're looking for the answers in other people, the, the people they look up to. Especially when I was going through it, I was looking for the answers in my parents, um, 
in my relationships, um, even strangers that I would meet, I would kind of talk about my issues, always hoping for the answers. So when someone says, oh, just relax, an anxiety sufferer doesn't want to hear that. They want to hear the solutions. And sometimes anxiety sufferers are secretly hoping that the doctors will actually diagnose them with the illness they believe they have or, or something that is causing the symptoms they're feeling. They secretly hope because they, anxiety sufferers are desperate for the answers. They're desperate. So when they go to the doctor, they're hoping, even though they really don't want that illness, like who would, but they're hoping to find some sort of answer. And when the doctor says, well, we checked everything, everything looks good, and it, it can be overwhelming to an anxiety sufferer later on in the day when the symptoms return. In the moment, it can be a sort of relief, but later when they're alone, what happens? The, sim the symptoms and sensations come back. So anxiety sufferers want answers. And that's where I'm going to leave you on today's podcast episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, this podcast is on YouTube. So go there, subscribe, ring the bell so you get all the notifications when I post a video or another podcast episode and leave me questions. Maybe there are phrases or sayings I missed. So go to unpluganxiety.com. You can send me a phrase that I missed uh, via in the contact page of my website, or you can leave a comment on YouTube or social media, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. Just message me and I'll get back to you and include it in another podcast episode. Lastly, remember, do not let anxiety define who you are, and I will see you on the next episode. Bye. Brad's powerful anxiety recovery program is available at unpluganxiety.com. The Anxiety Project program is downloadable and puts the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. What are you waiting for? Visit unpluganxiety.com for more details. Recovery starts now.